I'm sorry, ma'am. You have to be a little more specific. You made fun of my weight. You called me a giant seal. Well, let's see. I had four elephants. I had a... Rhino, wanted some flip-flops, had a manatee. Yeah, I don't remember any seals. All right. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Kentucky Dad Pod brought to you by SB Nations, a sea of blue. I'm Big Blue Drew here. Looking forward to another sea of blue guy jumping on. So good. Um, I like to call him a friend. He is my friend, even though I don't get to see him as often as I like. But um, Jamie Boggs is with us today from a sea of blue. He uh, writes a ton of stuff. So if you follow the website, you've definitely read some stuff for Jamie with, from Jamie without a doubt. And he also is a radio host on WLFX. He hosts a couple other podcasts, a true crime podcast, a blessed heart podcast, which I'm anxious to hear about. So that was a big introduction. But Jamie, thanks for coming on the Kentucky Dad Pod. Hey, Drew. Thanks for having me, man. I've been looking forward to this since I first found out you were doing this podcast. So thanks for uh, getting me in the rotation. No, you're welcome. And, and you would have been sooner. And I mean this sincerely. But like I said, since you are one of my friends, I've kind of kept those people like you and James Strebel and some other people like in my back pocket when I knew, you know, if I had a week where people weren't getting back to me or something that I could always rely on you guys to come on. So thanks for being reliable. As a uh, radio and podcast host, I completely uh, <laughs> get that. I had no worries at all. Glad to be here. Good, good, good. All right. So we started this time with one of the the biggest TV dads that I get feedback on. Whenever I ask like on the online and stuff, who's your favorite TV dad? It's it's crazy to me how many people gravitate towards Al Bundy because he's definitely not a good dad. He's funny, um, but it just surprises me that so many people say Al Bundy. Do you, Jamie, have like a favorite go-to TV dad or movie dad that you either see yourself in or that you think is funny? Yeah, I'd say Al Bundy's probably in my top five. Ooh. But as far as uh, looking back to my childhood and, I don't know, as I reflect and I have interactions with my kids, I, I keep seeing scenes from Home Improvement. Tim, the tool man, Taylor, was – I think he was a pretty good dad. He cared and he was invested, but he was the most tunnel vision person of all time. He would get himself in a situation and his wife's mad at him, and the next thing you know, he has to go over and seek counsel from Wilson – uh, and I, I, I'm very big on seeking counsel from friends and that kind of thing. And, and he screwed up a lot. And I can identify with that for sure. So I'd say uh, Tim Taylor probably for me is my favorite. Slam dunk answer there. I like how you said he seeks the counsel of his friends and neighbors. That, that's taking it deep. And, man, I don't know if you realize this, but that's actually, wow, just check back on a few things. That is now three in a row Tim the Toolman Taylors as the top. We had Nick Roush from Kentucky Sports Radio. We had Randall Young, Landon Young's father, say that as well, and now you. And a quick plug on that, if you didn't get a chance to hear um, last week's episode of the Kentucky Dad Pod with Randall Young, who, again, is Landon Young's father, definitely go back and check that one out. I was, like, just extremely inspired by their whole entire family. I had got feedback that I would leave that conversation feeling that way. And I 100% did. They're, they're just an amazing family. So check that one out. But, man, Tim the Toolman Taylor is just sweeping these, Jamie. Maybe you need to let him know. Maybe he'll come on knowing that he's <laughs> such a big part of the show anyway. Oh, my gosh. That is such a terrific idea. And, and I might even tie this in. And I said this, I believe, last time is that my wife is actually from, like, the suburbs of Detroit and grew up there, like, in the 90s. So they are, like, living the – you know, they're hardcore Lions fans and all that. So they really, really fit the mode well. And I always say I know you guys were just, like, the biggest home improvement fans. And 
she confirmed, yeah, they would like, you know, sit around and watch because that was them. Yeah, you would have to be. That was such a good show. And yeah, I, I, I was looking back over it today to kind of think back on the show. And, and those kids, man, um, not great careers after that. <laughs> well, I know one thing, man. I know at least so I was born in 87. So I'm, I'm 33. So I guess I was like, gosh, when did the Lion King come out? I think 96 or 97. Right. And that was uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, or as, as we knew him back then, JTT. And um, so I think I was at like the height of his career. And I'll even see movies that come on sometimes like Man of the House with Chevy Chase and stuff. So I've introduced my um, daughter to that a little bit. So yeah, you're right, though. The other two kids didn't have much going on. Really nobody from from that show in general. I can't really think had any type of a career after that. But Al hosted uh, Family Feud for a while. Right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he yeah. did do that. So, man, but uh, good stuff. I'm going to go back and rewatch some home improvements. And that was a killer idea about inviting uh, Tim Allen on. So I might try that. Um, but first, so Jamie, so again, Jamie Boggs is here from, from a sea of blue. We work together at a sea of blue. He does a couple other things, which I'm interested to kind of hear about, because I know you had some career changes and stuff recently, but just first, man, I know, um, I actually, I don't, I don't know that I've had a chance to meet your kids. I know that we've tried to do that a few times, but uh, just tell us a little bit about like your family dynamic now, like, um, wife, kids, how old they are, stuff like that. Yeah. So interesting day uh, to ask that question. We got a birthday today. Um, so as of right now, I have an 11 year old that turns 12 next week A nine year old. Uh, my oldest is a boy. I have a nine year old daughter. I have a son that turns seven today and I have a six year old daughter. Now I know the math on that's kind of tricky. We are foster parents and some of our kids have been adopted through foster care. Uh, so the birthday situation is kind of weird <laughs> around here, but uh, yeah, four kids, six, seven, nine, and 11 today. Wow. Man, you're busy. So you, you, didn't quite, you didn't quite catch up to Justin Rowland, who has five kids. And he also, to my amazement, left the door wide open for a sixth when he joined the Kentucky Dad Pod. So big shout out to him and you. So, man, that's really cool. I don't think – I did not know that, that you had foster kids and that kind of stuff has actually came up in, in conversation with my wife over the last year or so. So I kind of love to start there. So what kind of uh, motivated you to become foster parents? Yeah, so it started out when the conversation about adoption, that's something that my wife kind of always had a heart for and, and I didn't. Um, so – uh, we, we had our two biological kids and, and we knew we wanted a third kid. So we were kind of deciding, are we going to uh, try to have another biological kid? Or are we going to adopt? And through just a lot of study and prayer. And uh, I, I remember the moment that I decided we had to do it. I worked at Berea College at the time. I was walking across campus and I was praying. I was like, God, is this adoption thing for real? Is this what you want? One of the few times in my life when God has stopped me and said, you've been reading in this, this in the Bible all week you know exactly what I've told you to do. Stop asking me and do it. And I stopped in my tracks and just started looking around. I was like, did anybody else hear that? But um, so, so I knew we had to adopt. So uh, my wife had the same feeling. We started looking into it and there's so many ways to adopt children. There's so many children that need homes. We just have to have some really, really close friends who work in foster care. So they gave us kind of all the information that we needed for that. And, and for a number of reasons, we felt called to, uh, to do that through foster care and that, yeah, I mean, that's a, that could be its own podcast series itself, but uh, it's such a big need there. And we've had one kid come and go from our home as a foster child and the other two, 
well, we've adopted one and hopefully we're going to finalize the adoption on this last one here in a couple of weeks. So um, it's, it's been a blessing. It's changed our lives. We also, when we got into this, we realized there were some needs in the community that weren't being met. So we've actually started a nonprofit for foster parents in Madison County. Actually people from like 11 counties have come, but we give away free car seats, free clothes, free cribs to foster families or really any situation where a kid's not living with their biological parents. So if an aunt's raising kids, they can come and shop for free and that kind of thing. So it's really changed our whole paradigm of the way we look at life and, and the needs in our community and the way we look at these kids, the way we look at their parents. And I don't know, it's just been a, a really wild ride that I never saw coming. Man, it's fantastic. What an inspirational story there. What ages did you um, take in your foster kids? Yeah, so our adopted daughter came when she was four months old, and uh, we ended up at finalizing her adoption when she was two. So she knows no different at all. She's, she's not really mature enough to have the conversation. It's certainly not something we're going to hide from her, but she doesn't know she's adopted. As soon as she's ready, we're going to talk about it. And we, I mean, we spend a lot of time with foster care and adoption, so she's around it. And the one we're waiting to finalize now, actually, he came when he was five. He turned seven today. And uh, he's been with us for almost two years and will be, uh, again, we, we should have done this back in April, but stupid COVID closed the courts. But we'll be finalizing that adoption soon. So it's been interesting, the two different, we get a baby who doesn't know any different. Now we've got this other kid who knows he had another family and trying to adjust and meet his needs and get him to understand how we can love him. It's just two completely different journeys uh, on, those, on those as well. I'm sure the nonprofit sounds really cool. I don't, I don't even know if I've shared this on the podcast or many times, but I'm actually on the board of directors here in Louisville for CASA, which is Court Appointed Special Advocates for Children. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Um, Ryan Lemon from Kentucky Sports Radio, he talks about it a lot, but essentially it's an organization that would act as like the voice for children in court. So similar to a guardian ad litem, but they would be like, hey, you know, the parents are saying they're sending the kid to school. I'm there. This kid's not going to school. And they can kind of hopefully, you know, uh, provide evidence and, uh, you know, an outsider's opinion um, to help those kids get into a better situation. So that's amazing, man. What's the name of your nonprofit? Uh, the, the nonprofit's called Raising Arrows, and it's, uh, it's a verse out of Psalms that uh, kind of drove us there. But the, uh, the store that we give things out of is called Grace's Closet. Our adopted daughter's name is Grace. So Grace's Closet is when where foster families or kinship families from anywhere can come and get whatever we have. There's no charge or anything like that. Everything's donated. We've been so lucky that like our rent's been paid for, all of our supplies have been donated. It's been, it went from, hey, let's use this small closet at our church to store some diapers to now we have a storefront with volunteers running it and that kind of thing. And very familiar with Casa in Madison County. We work with them. They send people to us all the time and we consult with them on needs that they're seeing and that kind of thing. Really good organization. That's amazing, man. I, when you were telling the story, I didn't actually think it was going to be like a storefront. That's awesome. It's, oh, it uh, sounds like you guys have really put some work into that and accomplished good things. And you've already brought it up a few times, Jamie, and I knew this just having interacted with you and just knowing you, which really speaks to your faith. Um, but I love to just give you the opportunity because I know that your kind of your mantra is you definitely walk by faith. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I, I grew up in Harlan County. I don't know how familiar you are with Harlan. <laughs> a little bit. Um, everybody went to church. I don't know how many of us actually practiced it, but in, it was in college when I, I finally started a relationship with Jesus Christ and dedicated my life to him. And 
that was around the same time that I met my wife and she had been a Christian for a long time. So we've, we've grown together in that. And it certainly has driven uh, our, our lives together and our conversations and through good times and bad, God's always been there. Uh, we're the reason we settled in Berea, we got involved in a church and we were going to Berea college and we stuck around here to continue to be a part of that church family. And that's the place where this ministry started, where this, uh, nonprofit started. So it's, I don't know, it's, uh, it's the backbone of everything that we do. We're trying to ingrain that in our kids as well. Really stinks not being able to go to church very often right now. Uh, but it's been, dude, man, I, I'm sure you've talked to other people about this life so different, but now almost every night we have dinner together and have a family Bible study. Mm. We never did that before because we were at practice or play auditions or whatever every night. So to be home and be able to do that, it's been, it's been bad not to be in church, but spiritually speaking, I feel like I've had more in-depth conversations with my kids during the pandemic than I ever did before, which has been great. I can absolutely attest to that too, just both per- personally and professionally. And I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but kind of what I've been saying is that accountability is kind of at like an all-time low right now. Like I think no matter what you do, there's just a little bit more leniency as far as your time and things. So I'm with you on that. Like as much as there's days when I'm just like really struggling with this, especially as we get now like four months into it. But at the same time, it's provided a ton of luxuries. I mean, work's been, a, you know, a little bit easier I've had a few more days off. Um, yeah, again, I, I just started doing the running back and forth to practice. So I know how that goes. Like two, two days this week, I've been basically off work and playing Uber. So I get it, man. And, I, and I'm with you. And I think as um, hopefully as things normalize, which it seems like they're attempting to do in the wrong time because things are turning the wrong way, but we're opening more stuff, which I don't want to get into that because it, it fatigues me big time. But I think that we'll miss a lot of this stuff. I think like once it comes back to normal, I think once we get back to the hustle and bustle of life that we will, and I'm probably going to wish that I would have used some of my time wiser, particularly exercising because everybody always says, right? Like, Oh, I just don't have time. man. if I had more time, I'd be Jack. And I had all the time in the world and did nothing but eat. I have taken all this time to learn to cook new things and find new foods that I like. I am in probably the worst shape I've ever been in. You're right. There's no excuse whatsoever. And when we do, like you talked about getting back into the hustle and bustle, I'm hopeful that there are things that we spent time on that we're like, you know what? We didn't miss that. Or Mm -hmm. this time we, we spent at home in the pool or at the lake or whatever is more valuable than these uh, three organizations our kids were involved in that they didn't really like anyway. So I'm hopeful that some of these things are going to stick, at least the positive side of it. Yeah, you're spot on. I've noticed all types of like cultural norms that we have that are just unnecessary. Like just a quick example, like we were actually in the process of refining our house, like really early COVID, like March, I think. And we were the first ever drive up home closing for a very large title company here in Louisville, probably one of the largest title companies in the state. So it's funny, like we get there, everyone's like peeking through the windows because, you know, they had never done anything like this. You know, someone came out and met us. And I mean, it was like we closed on our house refinancing in a matter of seconds, like gave it to me. I signed everything was done. And I kept commenting to my wife. I'm like, you know, if this would have been normal times, we'd have had to go in. They'd have offered us water. They'd have gave us small talk, told a few bad jokes. We'd have been sitting there waiting. And it's like, it's just so unnecessary. So I'm hoping we do kind of cut out a lot of things that are just really not necessary. Um, so I'm, ex- I'm looking forward to that and just kind of how life in general changes. I know that, that Zoom particularly is kind of like 
the norm now. Everybody has Zoom. Everybody's using Zoom. I'm getting more used to it. I, I kind of didn't like the video chatting and stuff at first, but we've actually been doing a little bit of it with the in-laws and stuff. And we're all, uh, my wife's family's all spread out. And um, I, I do. I enjoy it. I think it's something that we'll keep up. And the world has changed forever. I'm sure you'd agree. Yeah, absolutely. And s- some of it's for the better and some's not going to be. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of companies are figuring out, hey, we don't need an office for everybody to be together to do all these different things at the same time. So uh, people are going to figure out that their work can be done differently. We similarly have uh, renovated our home during this time and the, the closing took two seconds and all the contracts with the contractors took two seconds and all that stuff. You're right. Would have taken hours of prep and documents and sign here and here. Yeah. Like everything's just been really quick because it has to be. And now that we know it can be, why would we go back? hundred percent. And then too, I mean, every, like I work for a really large corporation, not to say that, and every single entity, large or small, really, is just looking for ways in the future that they can deploy their workforce efficiently from remote locations. So I think that it's good. I know that I'm not the type of person, like, as, as great as it sounds on the surface, I do not think I could work from home. I just, like, need to get up and go somewhere. So it's been a little bit of a blessing for me that I actually um, I haven't had any real break from work other than a couple extra days. But at first, it was kind of, I was kind of a spite about it. But now I'm like, you know, I'm pretty fortunate. I have a good job. I get to go in and do it. It breaks the day up. But yeah, I have COVID fatigue sometimes. And I'm actually like, I'm kind of like zero dark 30 on social media a little bit. I'm just trying to, oh man, I just feel like social media, Jamie, is like nothing but like the mask report for wherever someone visited. <laughs> yeah. And it's been, it's a tough place to live. I I saw, I don't even know what the meme was, but it, the reference was if we didn't have social media, these five things would be completely missing from society. And all those things were awful, mm-hmm. like the, uh, like mass hysteria and conspiracy theories and, and I don't know, just general things that grow that, uh, I don't know, masses get together and make decisions wouldn't have happened as much without social media. Um, yeah. And I've every day I'm like, I'm just going to delete Facebook for a while. Uh, and every now and then I will uh, off my phone, at least for a little bit, just to take a break from that. Uh, I find that to be a lot worse than Twitter, but that might not be the same for everybody. Twitter is more of a newspaper to me, and it's where most of my sports writer friends are. So I enjoy my time over there much more than Facebook. Yeah, it's like open my eyes, too, that like the way that we receive information is just everything, like everything. I mean, you can just the way that it's fed to you, you know, shapes your opinion and what medium you get that from is going to determine how the information is being presented to you. So I jumped off the Facebook train a long time ago. Um, I had an Instagram that I used sparingly. I deleted that account this week. So I'm Twitter only. I'm going to try to make it a month or two with just, uh, I've been checking it, but not, not really posting. Cause again, I'll, this is kind of my, my least favorite topic. And I'm just, I'm just looking forward to when we can get to the you know, point where you can talk about things without it being the focal point. Like, I'm sure you'll agree since we both write for a sea of blue, but I constantly use the analogy of like, no matter what I'm writing, I'm really writing like a COVID article and I'm just sprinkling in some sports. <laughs> yeah. It's the lens we see everything through. And I host uh, my radio show in the mornings, any story that I talk about, like I, ha- I get a list of topics every day that I can choose from and every single one of them is through the lens of COVID. And I'm just so tired of it. I just want to talk about, Sports without that. I want to talk about, I don't know, let's talk about puppies and carnivals. Okay. <laughs> Anything that's not, uh, I don't know, clouded by COVID, but it's, you can't escape it right now. 
Yeah, you took you said it a lot better than me. That is like spot on how I feel. But I want to talk to you a little bit about like what you do in the radio, how that works with the family. I know you had a big career change that I talked to you about. It's uh, been a little while now. But before we do that, let's take a quick sponsor break. All right, and we are back. Kentucky Dad Pod, Drew Brown, Jamie Boggs here. Really appreciate the time. And before we go any further, Jamie, you mentioned to me when I asked you to come on that you actually received a book of dad jokes recently. I did. For Father's Day, I got a Ric Flair t-shirt and a book wow. of dad jokes. It <laughs> <was> so- <laughs> best Father's Day ever. Do you, uh, do you have the dad joke book on you now? It is in my hands. I figured it was, and I meant to do this earlier, but why don't you just, uh, why don't you just reel off a couple? We usually just do one, but I mean, since you got the book, like let's hear a couple good or bad, the lamer, the better. Oh, they're awful. I'll, I'll save my favorite, which isn't in the book for last, but let's see, dad, what's the worst street to drive on? No friggin' way. <laughs> dad, this thesaurus is terrible. Yes. It's also terrible. <laughs> I don't even get some of these. Uh, I named my new phone the Titanic. So whenever I plug it in, the Titanic is sinking. (laughs) Why doesn't mom ask her brother for help? Because you can't be a brother and assist her too. Wow. That one is bad. So lame. My favorite though is uh, what's brown and rhymes with Snoop. What? Dr. Dre. (laughs) All right, I like that one. All right, I'm on the – I always steal mine, too, so I'm on the thing. I'll, I'll read a couple here, so I like this one. So why were the two prisoners good at grammar? Because they're always thinking about their sentences. Yay. Oh <laughs> uh, that was a good one. All right, I like that one. But, all right, we can keep it moving here. I love it, though, adding a few extra dad jokes in, and I'll try to find a, a good one uh, for the end here. But So, again, Jamie, so I know that um, – actually, too, let me, let me sneak in a plug for Big Blue Drew here because I know that previously you worked at Berea College, correct? Yes, sir. Well, actually, your boy here had a scholarship offer to play basketball at Berea College. I remember it well. Um, my dad took me on like my visit there. I got, the, I was like small town, like small time. So I went to visit like most of the smaller schools, like Thomas More, Berea, um, places like that. So I remember on my Berea visit, I actually really liked it. Um, it was different. It was a lot different than Louisville, obviously, but a really cool um, story and kind of why I bring it up was I actually let my high school teammate come with me. And honestly, he was probably better than me. Um, I brought him with me just to kind of check it out and stuff. He ended up meeting the coach, and he accepted a scholarship offer to play for Berea, and I ended up staying home and playing at Spalding for a little bit. But I've been there. I kind of know the, the town a little bit. But um, just walk us through, Jamie, so I know you worked there. And then what was it, about a year or so ago, you took a big leap of faith as far as your career goes. Yeah, I worked in higher ed for 14 years full-time, and most of that was at Berea. I was like an academic advisor, ran kind of a a student success program there. Uh, But all along that time, I was working on the side with media. I'd been doing – I had my own sports blog for a while. I started working with the Sea of Blue in 2016. I started broadcasting Berea College's men's basketball games around 2012, uh, so, and then you mentioned my other podcasts. I don't know if I'm allowed to plug those, but I'm going to uh, True Crime Cast. It's mm-hmm. grown to be much more successful than we ever thought in the true, true crime genre. And the Bless Their Hearts podcast is really just a way for us to say, hey, we've been talking about crime for an hour. 
let's goof off and not be depressed. So I, I'd been putting this kind of media portfolio together on the side and this opportunity came up with a local broadcasting company to uh, have my own show to, we moved a radio station from Richmond to Berea. So I was able to find the location, choose the music, help with the branding. So it's been like a really big experience. It's been a big change for me. So I'm doing that full time. I have the show. Uh, I do sports. Uh, we, we broadcast all high school sports around here. So I'm able to do that. We have a weekly sports show on Monday evenings and uh, I also do a lot of sales and work with uh, covering general news topics in Berea, Madison County. So it's been a really big change, but man, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. It sounds like it. I know that I've joined your show a few times and man, that's kind of like the home run as far as this kind of business goes to not only be able to, you know, host your own show and do something like that, but it sounds like you had a lot of freedom to kind of create what it is. Yeah, it's been really cool. Um, and, and that's why I spent like the first three months uh, just hanging around town, being like, "Hey, what kind of what kind of music you like? Hey, what kind of uh, <laughs> programming would you like to see coming down?" So, so we ended up on like an adult contemporary type uh, um, mix to where it's kind of like ninety four five. It's eighties, uh, nineties, some newer stuff. But uh, I was able to be a part of that, and hopefully, that's easier to sell than it, it used to be. Very new music that my kids wouldn't be allowed to listen to. So I wanted my kids to listen to me on the radio. So I had to change the music to something that was kid friendly. Well, tell me a little bit about the true camp, true crime podcast. I'm not a big true like podcast crime person, but my brother is. And I know that is a very, very, very big community there of people that not only listen to podcasts, but specifically they like kind of the mystery, what happened, um, solving crime stuff. So I guess is do you guys just like look at cases and give your own point of view or what? Yeah, I think the history of that is just kind of kids that watched Unsolved Mysteries and America's Most Wanted when they were when they were younger. And now we we have this new medium of a podcast. And uh, there there are different kinds of true crime podcasts. I'm like Serial was the first one I got addicted to, and it was a whole season about one case. So uh, it was like 12 episodes talking about the same story. Ours is a little different than that. We cover a different case with every episode. So we've had over 150 cases and it, you know, it was a friend and I, and we were like, Hey, we like listening to these. We could, we could talk about them. Let's give it a shot. So uh, we set a microphone between us and started talking about these cases that we were familiar with some local cases. And, and man, one day it just snapped. It, it blew up. We're really close to 3 million downloads. We're going to hit that in a couple months. Wow. Um, yeah, Jeez. didn't see it coming out of anywhere, but it's it's really just sitting down and, and telling stories. He's uh, I'm from Harlan, Kentucky. He's from Jellicoe, Tennessee. So uh, it's it's kind of got a country flavor to it, but we try to do as much local stuff as we can. Also some bigger stuff. So uh, we did the Bluegrass Conspiracy this week, which was a lot of fun to look into that. I don't know how familiar you are, but it's pretty nuts. So one nice thing, too, that it sounds like for that, especially you being the host, and that's my favorite part about my Kentucky dad pot is that it's not really timely, like not as timely as sports, you know, so it gives you a little time to research, edit it. And then the reason I really brought that up was, so for the listeners, if they were like just to hop in and kind of check out your True Crime podcast, do you have a specific episode that you might like is your favorite or you'd recommend that they start with? Start with one that came out in 2020, just because the sound quality and and by that point, we kind of had our stuff together and the... uh the commercial breaks are built in. If you go and start with episode one, 
we were literally in a broom closet with a microphone we borrowed from a kid in our youth group and we didn't have commercial breaks. We didn't do anything right. So uh, start with the last five. I think maybe one of our best ones recently was Adam Walsh. So, you know, John Walsh that hosted America's Most Wanted, mm-hmm. he got into that because his son was abducted. Uh, and, and that was actually just two weeks ago. I think that would be a really good one to start with. It's a, it's a big case, but I don't think people know a lot of the smaller details. So that's kind of what we dig into. So that'd be a really good one to start with. Yeah, I think I did know that about his son. And it was pretty gruesome, if I remember yes, it's, correctly. It's rough. What about, um, and then we're just getting in this. I know nothing about it, but that's fine. Um, so I know probably the biggest crime podcast that I always hear about is the Bardstown stuff, right? Yes. Uh, that's been uh, especially around here and that whole story. And it's really kind of five stories melded together. Uh, We have covered the Crystal Rogers case, which is kind of the crux of that, and everything kind of branches out from her. You start looking at potential police corruption, drug running, those kinds of things. Uh, We did an episode about that on our own. That was probably six months before the Bardstown podcast came out, but that was more of an investigative look into it, and you get so much information from that podcast. It's a good one. Yeah, I might, I'm going to check those out soon, the bar show, and I'm actually got some driving to do here soon, so I'm, I might look into those, but man, we've crossed out a lot of the topics I wanted to talk to you about, and normally I start with this, but I always it's important to me to give my guests the opportunity to talk about any father figures in their life, whether good, bad, or indifferent. Did you have anybody in your life that kind of shaped you, I guess, to be in, um, the, you know, kind of the dad you are today? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like for most people, it's a it's a number of people. My dad was around. My dad was a coal miner, uh, and really the, I don't know, I guess the, the big thing I took from him was his job sucked, but he worked so hard to provide for us, and uh, being able to work hard and kind of sacrifice your own time, attention, desires, or whatever for your family is very important, and I certainly took that from him, and he always did that, and my dad also has a really good sense of humor, which I, I hope I've picked up some of over the course of time. And then I feel like, uh, I don't know, I kind of talked about earlier when I was in college, that's when I became a Christian. That's when I kind of picked where I was going to settle and raise a family and around the Berea area. And that's when I started developing some friendships with some guys who were uh, just a few years older than me. And I found that's been super helpful to talk to friends. Like my son's about to turn 12. I have a friend whose kids just turned 16. So I'm going to go and say, Hey, what do I need to be telling my 12 year old about right now? Or, he's having this issue in middle school. How did you handle that when your kids are in middle school? So I have a few close friends that I've worked with uh, and gotten to church with and really been close to since college that their kids are just a little bit older than mine. So I'm able to talk to them and learn from their mistakes and uh, learn from their successes and then hopefully not make as many mistakes or at least different mistakes on my own. So yeah, I would say my dad and then just friends around here that are going through this stuff, the same that you and I are. Yeah, that's a big reason we do the Kentucky Dad Pod because whether you get good advice or not, just talking about eventing, seeing that people have similar problems as you is so therapeutic. And hopefully for anybody that listens regularly, that's kind of how they feel too. And since I just kind of stumbled upon that, I put the thing out and didn't didn't get much feedback yet. But please, if you listen to the Kentucky Dad Pod, I would love for you to just record anything. It can be with your family, just you telling a story. Um, Ideally, I guess it could have, you know, some Kentucky sports um, correlation but if not that's fine too just record it on your iphone or whatever and you can send it to me um at big blue drew 33 on twitter just send me a message hit me up on there whatever and i'll let you know how to get it to me but i'd love to kind of hear from some of the listeners because again it always is a little bit therapeutic and 
something you said too, as we're wrapping up here, but that's just so many times I've heard that same sentiment of people with their fathers. They kind of take a deep breath and say, if nothing else, like my dad was a very hard worker. They got up, they answered the bell every morning and so much of my life, that's what I've tried to do. And I learned that from my dad as well. It's like, whether you like what you do, you don't, if that's your job and you're committed to it, when that alarm goes off in the morning, you know, you don't make excuses. You don't say you're sick. If you're not sick, you tuck your shirt in and you go and you, and you do your job to the best of your ability. And I think that the people that are fortunate enough to have somebody that, that taught them that it's pretty much like a, like a thing where you have life figured out, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like you're, you're always going to be, I always tell, like I do a financial literacy class sometimes for kids. And that's what I'll always say. If you do that, if you can wake up, hit that alarm, not complain, tuck your shirt in, go to your job, smile and do your best. You'll always have a place to live. You always have clothes on your back. You always have, you know, food to eat. And that's something that I truly believe. And it sounds like um, your dad had at least a, a much harder job than mine of sitting at a desk all day. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of thing. There's a, there's so much about life that's hard, but the, there are also a lot of things you can control. You can't control your attitude. You can control your work ethic. You can't control your the way you spend your time. And as long as you do those things with the right intentions, everything's usually going to be okay. It may not be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. But yeah, as long as you have that discipline set in front of you, usually things are going to work out. Agree, agree. All right, man. Well, we'll kind of wrap it up. I, I really, again, appreciate you coming on. You're somebody that, that I look up to. I think you have a, a lot of, of great qualities, a good temperament and stuff. So I always enjoy speaking with you. Um, but I guess we can wrap it up on a, a, one more dad joke each. Um, let me try to find. Oh, I just found a good one, actually. That um, Do you have one? Why don't you read one from your book? I'll try to find mine. Man, this book's awful. Let me go with another <laughs> one. Uh, <clears throat> What's brown and sticky? What? A stick. <laughs> oh, that one. That one's terrible. That one is bad. Um, dang it. I had, um, well, this one's pretty good. Um, all right. Someone threw a giant bottle of omega-3 pills at me. I'm fine. I only suffered super fish oil injuries. <laughs> Those are pretty good. They're so bad. <laughs> yeah, they are. I like it. The worse they are, the better they are. And that's always the, the what I tell everyone. So, all right, Jamie, if you're not following Jamie, please do. Um, tell them what your stuff, Jamie. I don't have it pulled up. Sure. At Jamie W. Boggs on Twitter. Um, I'm probably going to quit Facebook, so you can just avoid that. Twitter is <laughs> the best uh, way to get a hold of me. Uh, you can check out our, our podcasts at True Crimecast on Twitter uh, or follow at WLFXFM on Twitter to uh, keep up with my radio show. Good, man. Yeah, I'm going to start tuning in a little more. And then lastly, you have to promise me, man, you'll invite me on again soon. I love to come on and I enjoy doing radio. Man, I totally associate that. That was the, that was the day of the Belt Bowl. That was – yeah. I think right before Lynn Bowden punched the guy in the face. Maybe it was right after, and you were scooping that on the show. <laughs> yeah, but I always man. associate that with the punch. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I know. I tell everybody that I'm trying to get Lynn Bowden on the podcast. I've hit up his agent a few times, and I at least wish they would write me back. No, that would be appreciated. But uh, no, no news yet on that. But yeah, just a quick sidebar on that. We'll wrap it up. Um, I remember that well, probably the one of the greatest games I've ever covered. And I tell everyone this, like that Virginia Tech Kentucky beef at the Belk Bowl was real. Like I was sitting in that hotel lobby. I'm surprised they didn't brawl right there. Um, Lynn was kind of pointing at him, calling him out. And yeah, phenomenal memory for me. And I do, I remember, yeah, we did the radio show that morning and that must have proven to be good luck because probably the best Kentucky football game um, I've ever covered and probably one of the better ones in my lifetime. 
Yeah, if, uh, if we get to have football, I'll have you on every week if you can promise uh, performances like that on the field for sure. <laughs> hey, fair enough, man. All right. Well, thanks again, Jamie. Please make sure you're following us at Kentucky Dad Pod, and you can uh, follow me at Big Blue Drew 33. Thank you so much, and we will see everybody next time.